0: Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are finishing up our sermon series called Back at It. And during this series, we're talking about how you can get back at it in your relationship with God when things cause you to stray away from God. And let's just be honest here. Now that we're in summer, there are lots of things that come up that keep us busy. Whether we're talking about family vacations or we're talking about going off to summer camps or if we're just talking about lounging around the pool or just enjoying leisurely summer days, it's easy for us to put our relationship with God on the back burner. So, we're talking about how we can get back at it in that relationship with God whenever we stray away. And last week, we talked about the fact that the first thing we need to do to get back at it in our relationship with God is to realize that we're still good enough for God. No matter what happens, no matter why we may stray away, God doesn't turn his back on us. God always loves us, God always cares for us, and God wants us to be in a relationship with Him. Well, this week we're going to be talking about the next step that we need to take as we get back at it in our relationship with God. And I'll go ahead and turn it over to the youth minister here at Melbourne Heights, Joan Oland, and let him preach this week's sermon.
1: Well, several years ago, I was sitting at an adult session at a mission huge, which is a uh, youth uh, missions camp. Um, and that year I was sitting there in that session trying to figure out what direction to take that youth group in their next school year, and while we were talking about a passage of Matthew during that session, same one we're actually going to look at a little bit later this morning, an amazing idea for a growth plan for those youth hit me. And from doodling a little bit and from taking some notes and writing some stuff down, uh, I came up with this logo. Now I know this logo is a little cringy if you're looking at the basic stuff, especially if you're a graphic designer has all the uh, main staples of what you shouldn't do, like word art and uh, some clip art. And then you know, you've know got the, the um, I don't know what you call it anymore, but the spreading out of the images there just to make it a little bit more blurry. But um, I'm not showing you this to show off my design skills, because this was one of the first logos that I created. I'm not asking you to be impressed or appalled by what I created. Uh, the reason that I am showing you this picture is because of what it stands for. Each part of this image has a purpose, and the word implosion gives a lot of meaning to the idea behind it as well. So before I explain to you exactly what this logo means, let me tell you about the scripture that came to this idea. The scripture that we're looking at today actually comes from the book of Matthew in chapter 22. It follows several parables that Jesus had been telling to some Pharisees and some later talking with some Sadducees. And after answering a question that left the Sadducees speechless, a Pharisee asks another question. Now, if you don't know who is who, let me clarify who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, real quick. Both groups were the religious leaders of the time, uh, they were the experts in the law. Both sides made up the court system that was in Israel at the time. The biggest difference between the two groups was their status. To their status. the Sadducees, they were the elite. They were the rich ones of the group to stayed in the temple most of the time, while the Pharisees were more of the common priests that were in the streets and, and the synagogues inside of the city. Both groups are seen challenging Jesus on multiple occasions, and what, what we're looking at today is really no different as they're asking this question. So let's read what is asked and how Jesus responds in uh, Matthew in verse 36. Here's what it says. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. So these verses were the starting point of all of the lessons that I created for this youth group these groups, for the next six months of uh, meeting. And the idea was this that the greatest commandments work like an implosion. That the greatest commandments work like an implosion. Now, if you've never seen an implosion happen either on TV or in person, then think of the demolition of a building. Uh, If you're a fan of the Oceans 11 franchise, they actually use one of these implosions inside of the movie uh, in kind of a comical way, as one character is sitting on the couch watching it happen in front of them, and in fact, the building itself that's being destroyed is right outside his window right behind him. Um, But the idea is creating a series of charges within a building Bring it down safely on itself, so bringing everything in, so there's no collateral damage, no one gets hurt, and it's controlled. So the process is the detonation, the implosion itself, and then the scattering of dust and small debris afterwards. So to start an implosion, there has to be a trigger, whether man-made or through nature. Um, there has to be something that creates that initial spark. Now for us, that's God. God sets that spark in us through creating us. Uh, We have this natural desire to seek out something greater than ourselves. And it's that trigger that God puts into us that has us looking for answers in the first place. And it's that desire that God has to create a relationship with us that helps put it into place. Now, last week, we we talked more about that initial trigger, about how we can get back at it in our relationship with God. And we're talking about this because we know that summer right now is a time of vacations and school being out and schedules being thrown awry that can make us busy and start to pull us away from God. So last week we talked about how we don't have to hide from God because we think we're not good enough. And to get back at it, we have to stop hiding and create an intimate relationship with Jesus. But that's only part of what it takes to get back at it in our relationship with God. And it's only one part of getting back to where we need to be as followers of Christ. The other part comes from the rest of this idea of an implosion. You see, it goes from a trigger, God, to the reaction. For an explosion, the opposite, you have everything going out from that center mass. But an implosion kind of works the opposite by bringing everything in. You see, Matthew chapter 22 starts with love God, but it ends with loving your neighbor as yourself. So if the first step into getting back to God is creating or recreating intimacy with God by coming out of hiding, then the next step is learning to love yourself. Now, honestly, loving yourself can be the hardest step to get to. But you see, God created each and every one of us. And he created us with different gifts and talents. And he made each of us perfect. If we remember from last week, when we talked about in the book of Ephesians, Paul puts it this way that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. And while this step can be the hardest, we have to deal, or why this step can be the hardest, because we have to deal with all this outside influence of how we look or act or feel. But even with all of that, nothing will down harder than ourselves. See, God didn't create us so that we could doubt ourselves. Exactly, doubt is one of the most powerful barriers to us to being able to accept who we really are and learn to love ourselves. it can keep us from taking that hard path to something greater or our doubt can make us question who we even are in a time when we need to push forward. It can cripple our emotions and our drive to do better. The sad thing about doubt is that none of us are immune to it. We may put on a confident facade from day to day to make it look like we have it all together, but none of us have ever escaped the feeling of doubt in some point in our lives. And what that doubt about who we are can lead to is something that can be self serving or self destructing. We start to doubt who we are, and so we tend to drop everything and everyone to find ourselves. Uh, And while it is good to have some inner reflections from time to time, it's not good when we escape from everything to try try to discover who we are by stripping away everything that helped identify us in the first place. All that does is either leads us to self-gratification or, even worse, potential to have us discover that without all the things that we escaped from, we're nothing. Because we are shaped by our experiences. We are shaped by God. See, it doesn't have to be this way. Our doubt doesn't have to lead us into nothing. There are many stories in the Bible that talk about doubt. But the difference with the doubt that we have when we run away to try to find something better without finding nothing is that the stories in the Bible don't run away from their doubt, they confront it. One of the more well known stories about doubt is about a man named Thomas. Uh, now, not much is known about Thomas inside of the Bible other than he is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and he has also been given the nickname of Doubting Thomas. So, to uh, Refresh your minds on how that story went. We're going to turn to John chapter 20, and we're going to be starting to read in verse 24. And here's what that says. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed, or have not seen, excuse me, and yet have believed. So Thomas knew how Jesus had died. He was likely there when he sealed the tomb on Jesus, and with the interaction that he has with the other disciples, he might have even been a Golgotha in the crowd who watched Jesus die. And he doubted that anyone could come back from what Jesus said. Thomas doubted who Jesus was when he took that last breath on the cross. This man that Thomas had followed in the last few years who claimed to be the Messiah just died like the rest of them claiming I mean the same thing. And Thomas kind of doubted that Jesus ever was the Messiah at that point. He lost his hope. also confronts his doubt when Jesus shows up. And by confronting his doubt, Thomas knew exactly, or knew that Jesus was exactly who he said that he was and that the promises that Thomas had believed the whole time were true. See, so Thomas right. didn't run off to find himself or trying to go back to what he was doing before he met Jesus. And in the process of confronting his doubt here, he was given confirmation of who he was, a child of God, All of a sudden, that doubt gets washed away. Thomas has hope again, and Thomas, through Jesus, knew who he was. That's part of what happens when you begin to love yourself. When you are filled up with the love from God, you are able to accept yourself for who you are. When you are filled up with the love of God, you are able to accept yourself for who you are. See, God wants us to love ourselves just as he loves us. And if we can find a way to do that, then we can actually fulfill the rest of the passage that we read in Matthew a little earlier by loving our neighbors too. See, loving them the way that we love ourselves and the way that God loves us. And that's actually the last part of the logo that I created almost 12 years ago. If you saw you had the trigger that went straight up of the arrow that was God. Arrows that came in that was learning to love yourself. And then the last part where the arrows spread out, that's the, the last part of it. That's the disbursement of what comes out of the first two. See, when you see an implosion, what you see is you may see a couple of flashes where the uh, the charges are set inside the building. Then you see the building fall in on itself. And then you see all of this dust kind of blow out at the bottom. It's got to go somewhere. But Christ being a part of this implosion of this is what happens after all of these come together. After God sets the trigger, after we learn to love ourselves, then we are filled with so much love that it starts to pour out from there. And this dispersion of debris is also the last step of what comes to being back at it. It's letting the love that you have pour out with everyone around you. It's being able to take the love that God has for you, the love that you have for yourself, and bringing that. Love to the people in this world. Let me ask you a question, real quick. What was the last time that you invited somebody to church? Is this isn't meant to be amazing. I don't want any out loud answers, or you don't have to respond to the chat. Of you know, it's been two weeks, three days, and four hours. Um, I just want you to think about it to yourself and answer this question: What was the last time that you invited someone to church? Now. I know we all have great excuses about why we haven't. The more popular ones are I'm afraid of rejection, or I don't know how to start this conversation, or I don't feel like we're in the best location for it right now. But I want you to get beyond your, the excuses that your brain is coming up with and think about. Uh, so I'm thinking about the why and try, trying to focus on the when. And again, not calling anybody out, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Um, And I don't want any answers out loud. I just want you to think about it. while you're thinking about it, I want to ask you another question as well. This one's probably more important than the first one. But when was the last time you talked to someone you don't know about Jesus? Or when was the last time outside of the church that you talked to someone you do know about Jesus? For this one, let me go ahead and add... or any answers in the chat? I just want you to think to yourself why it's been so long when the last time was. And be honest, don't short yourself by lying to yourself of reasons of why you haven't. Just why has it been so long? Now, um, again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad by asking this question. I ask this question simply because is part of what it takes to get back at it with our relationship with God fully. And if your answer for this question, either of those questions was yesterday or even this morning, then I applaud you. I really do. Because that's awesome. But the point here is, if you haven't talked to someone about Jesus in a while, this is part of what it entails of what God is asking us to do. And this is something that Jesus makes very clear to us a few chapters later in the book of Matthew. See, after Jesus had risen, Jesus tells us to go out into the world. And in chapter 28, starting in verse verse 16, here's exactly how he says it. But the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. See, even here, some doubted that Jesus was even there at all, but yet he still gave the same command to everyone there to go out and share the good news with the world. This is how we get back at it. This is how we are to live in this world, to love each other the way that God loves us, the way that God showed us to love ourselves. See, this gift of salvation from God, this gift of grace of everlasting life that we have been given isn't just for us. It was never just about God's chosen people. See, this gift that we have is one, That was for all of God's children. All of us who can walk or crawl or roll on this earth is a gift for everyone. We who have already received that gift are supposed to be passing this gift on to others. Not by force, not by deception, but simply by sharing our lives with those in the world. By sharing our love for those in the world said that the first greatest commandment was to love God with everything we have, but he said that the second greatest commandment was loving others as we love ourselves. So let's take some time to recreate that intimate relationship with Christ, to learn to love ourselves, and then learn how to spread that love to everyone else that is around us. Father, we thank you for your willingness to seek us out continuously. Please help us to accept ourselves for who we are and not, and to help us find a way to love ourselves so that we can spread that love to others as well. Give us the courage and the confidence to bring your word to the world and help others find you too. Thank you, Father, for all the love you give to us.
0: Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast, and I hope that this episode has challenged you to take that next step to get back at it in your relationship with God, and that next step is to love yourself and to love one another. So I hope that you'll find ways that you can forgive yourself if you've strayed away in your relationship with God so that you can love yourself again, and I hope that you can find some ways that you can love your neighbor, love each other as well. Well, in our next episode, we are going to be starting into another brand new sermon series that we're calling Reflect. And in this sermon series, we're going to be talking about the fact that we as Christians are called to be a reflection of the light of Jesus Christ in this world around us. So we're going to be talking about what we can do to do a better job of reflecting Jesus' light in our lives and in our world. So that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, and you don't have to wait for next Tuesday to roll around. You can come and you can worship with us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.